talking benefits. 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 Talking. Talking. Talk a little bit about benefits. Yeah, benefits. Talking benefits. You are listening to Talking Benefits. Every month, we cover the top stories in retirement and healthcare, the latest benefits, hot topics, and whatever else the industry throws at us. I'm Justin Held. I'm Ann Patterson. I'm Julie Stick. And I'm Kelly Colesrude. Now let's talk benefits. Hey guys, did you know that April is Financial Literacy Month? I yes, did. Yes, yes, I heard that. Yes. All right, all of you knew. I didn't know. I thought it was kind of fun. So the purpose is to teach Americans how to establish and maintain healthy financial habits and bring more awareness to this important issue. Yes, Anne, and that is why we are focusing on financial literacy in this episode. Our data shows that employees need more education on financial literacy. In the Foundation's Financial Education for Today's Workforce survey report, U.S. employers said that that a third of their participants were only a little bit financially savvy, while 5% said that they are not at all savvy. About half said that their employees were somewhat savvy, but only 17% said very or extremely savvy. Not enough savviness. No. Low savvy levels. No, no savvy. <laughs> so you may ask, how does this impact the workplace and why should employers care? Actually, there are a number of reasons. First of all, financial concerns cause employee stress. According to our survey, more than 40% of respondents said the stress level among employees caused by financial burdens was either somewhat high or very high. Our survey also revealed that 85% of respondents believe that financial issues impact the overall job performance of their workforce. Although stress is the most frequently cited negative impact brought on by financial challenges, our survey identified other negative impacts, including the inability to focus on work, absenteeism or tardiness, and lower morale. And as you would suspect, employees might jump to a different job for just a small wage increase if they're feeling overburdened with debt. So staff turnover is another reason that employers should care about financial literacy. And Kelly, the situation doesn't seem to be getting better. Compared to only two years ago, about a third of U.S. employers say that financial challenges for employees have somewhat or significantly increased, while more than half say that the prevalence is about the same. So obviously employers are stepping in and trying to do something about this. They may want to offer a financial education program, and this program typically covers lots of different topics and can be offered in different ways to best fit their workplace. And to clarify, when we say financial education, we're not just talking about how much to put away and save in your 401k, how to invest that money, and how to figure out your retirement income, but the best programs for financial education go beyond that. You are so right, Anne. It's important to start early in an employee's career and cover topics that they need right then and there, such as budgeting, credit, insurance, mortgages, student loan debt, identity theft, and estate planning. Well, and how you deliver the education is important, too. Our survey showed that the most effective way to deliver financial education is to provide free, personal, one-on-one consultation services. But of course, that can be expensive. Other effective methods include in-person classes or workshops and covering these topics during new hire orientation. 
And employers may also want to provide some tools to help employees calculate and plan for their future retirement income needs. Some of these tools include retirement income calculators, modeling software, and saving gap statements. What is modeling software? You well, you put in different variables, in. Yeah. and it comes back with something that's kind of customized based on your answers. Okay. I think I'm going to get a 3% raise this year and going forward, so I'll be able to meet 85% of my... So it is like a calculator, but it's more of a... Yeah, it's kind of more personalized. Focusing on life events can be very important as well. I know two years ago, I couldn't have cared less about budgeting for purchasing a new home. And then as soon as house hunting became a reality for me, I really started craving that information and seeking that out. Same goes with having children or retiring or any other big life events, Mm -hmm. as we all know. Did you find a house yet? Yes. Oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah. So it's been about five months. Congratulations. Thank you. I learned a lot about budgeting. (laughs) And now you're paying a mortgage. Yes. It's a great learning adventure. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, a program that really hits home for participants is helpful. And we've got a great example of one, right, Justin? Yes. I actually chatted with Paula Stopp of Bell Partners about their successful financial education program. And after the break, we're going to hear what she had to say about that. Benefits Magazine is one of the many awesome free perks of the International Foundation membership. It's a monthly magazine full of great articles by industry experts on health care, retirement, financial literacy, and more. It's totally free to International Foundation members in print or e-magazine. Get Benefits Magazine and tons of other great perks by becoming a member. Visit ifebp.org slash membership to sign up. We're back. Now let's go to Justin's interview with Paula Stapp. So I am speaking with Paula Stopp, who is the Director of Benefits at Bell Partners Incorporated in Greensboro, North Carolina. Paula and her financial wellness program are featured in the May issue of the Foundation's Benefits Magazine. So Paula, welcome and thank you for joining us. Great, thank you for having me. So just to get started, could you give us a quick picture of Bell Partners? What is the demographic makeup of Bell? Sure. Um, Bell Partners is a privately held real estate management company that manages um, apartment complexes in 15 different states. The workforce is about 80% hourly associates and about 20% salaried. So each location has on average four or five employees with about 250 locations. Wow. Okay. So what were some of the challenges that your workers were facing and how did they communicate those challenges to you? So we had heard things anecdotal through the HR department. You know, we own and manage apartments, and we had employees that were getting evicted from their apartments, Mm -hmm. or you hear cases of somebody's not showing up for work, well, why can't they get to work because their car's been repossessed, or, you know, you find out that somebody's homeless and they're living in their car. Like, you hear these things, you see the garnishments come in, that kind of thing. And we thought, well, let's do a benefit survey. In general, we wanted to do a benefit survey and kind of get feedback about the benefits from our associates. So we did a benefit survey, and one of the questions on the survey, or several, were related to financial wellness. So one of the questions was, how often do you feel that you're stressed out about your finances? And there was a good proportion of people that said often. Mm -hmm. And then we also asked, okay, what kind of program would you be interested in? And one of the things we had our eye on was the Smart Dollar Program. And we said, okay, well, would you be interested in something like this? Mm -hmm. And the majority of the employees said yes, that they would like a program like that. Smart Dollar is the vendor that we use. 
And so just overall, how was the program structured? How did it work? Fill us in on that. Sure, and there's actually a few components. So we do have the Smart Dollar Program. So we rolled it out in February of 2017, and we really had affiliated it the whole time with our traditional outcomes-based wellness program. Mm -hmm. We branded it like the wellness program. We made it part of the wellness program. So when we rolled it out, we rolled it out at the same time that we were doing our traditional health-based wellness program. So when we sent out the packet that we send out, about the traditional wellness program with the biometrics and the goals and all those types of things, we included the information on the new financial wellness program at the same time. Very nice. What were some of the challenges that you faced uh, during that implementation? One of our challenges overall is trying to communicate with everybody, and you know, since they're so geographically dispersed. Right. So we did a lot of different channels of ways to try to communicate with our associates. So we did you know, online and emails and bulletin board notices, and just trying to make people aware. As I mentioned, when we sent out the wellness information, we put flyers in there about Smart Dollar, but then we also sent um, postcards to the homes. We kind of did a media blitz Mm -hmm. is really how we did the the implementation. So your article that's going to be in the May issue of Benefits Magazine and some presentations that you've done for the foundation have mentioned uh, the use of incentives in your program. Can you talk about those incentives and maybe any other ways that you got people to participate in the program? Sure. So that's always a challenge is you you build it and sometimes they don't come. So I've always found that money talks, Hmm. especially you're doing financial wellness. So our first contest that we did after we got started was just based on enrollment. So getting signed up on the platform, because once they're signed up on the platform, then they start getting communications, reminding them to go in and look at the videos and do the activities. So kind of dripping on them, you know, constant reminders and Smart Dollar in and of itself has its own contest, mm. but you got to get them enrolled and get them where they're getting the emails first. So in addition to that, after we did the initial contest for enrollment, we did a number of other contests based on earning points. So you can earn points by doing activities, by watching videos. So we did big prizes. That was one thing that I think really got people's attention is the first big contest we did. First prize was $500, and then we did two prizes of $200, and then we also did vacation days. And Mm. that seemed to really get people interested in the program. Yeah. The use of vacation days as an incentive is a nice non-dollar motivator for sure. We kind of debated should we do a larger incentive or a bunch of smaller incentives. And I guess one of our lessons learned was sometimes the money is better sent with a big incentive. Normally, when we would close a contest, you wouldn't hear a lot, and nobody would really say anything, and then you'd announce who won. This time, saying we had $500 on the line for first prize, the day after the contest closed, I probably had 30 emails saying, hey, did I win? And I was like, <laughs> ooh, ooh, we got their attention. <laughs> As you said, money talks. What were uh, some of the results that you saw? So we did find good participation kind of out of the box, and I do think the incentives were a big piece. So over the time that we've had the program, which was February of 2017, so it just had its two-year anniversary, Mm -hmm. um, we've had 626 um, associates participate. Mm -hmm. Out of those 626, 134 had filled out the online scorecard. So essentially when they get started, they say, this is where I'm at now with my debt, my savings, my financial goals, and then they do like a check-in. So out of the people who had filled out the scorecard, 
between paying off debt and increasing their savings, they've had a financial turnaround of $920,000 so far. And I guess one of the statistics that I'm most proud of, out of the people who were in the program, we saw a 13% decrease in 401k plan loans and a 16% decrease in the overall loan balance in that group. Mm -hmm. And my favorite statistic is out of the people who are in the program, 34% had paid off a 401k loan and none of them had gotten a new loan. That's huge. Very nice. We had some folks that were really champions of the program Mm -hmm. and had really talked about it a lot. And we did do, that was one of our contests, is we asked our associates to send us feedback Mm -hmm. on the program. So send us your feedback, and then we'll do a drawing, and then we'll publish your feedback, you know, to the other associates. The one in particular I quoted, having him talk about how he was able to restructure his finances. And like in his case, he's at a lower income bracket, Mm -hmm. but he's the sole support for himself, his wife, and his four kids, Mm -hmm. and that he still has money left over to donate to charity. So I think that was a pretty strong endorsement of the program. Absolutely. So just overall, what were some of the key takeaways from your experiences with rolling this program out? Any sort of lessons for our listeners? One thing we learned on the negative side is that we tried to do a team contest. And I think people feel that finances are very private, even Mm -hmm. though nobody else on their team would really know what they were doing. We were just basing it off the points. And we only had one team qualify for the team contest. Mm. That did not seem to go over very well at all. So we learned that maybe for a weight loss program, a team program, or a walking program, but for the financial wellness, that just did not seem to at least resonate with our associates. Mm -hmm. But we did find that the communication is really important, doing constant contests, like we have a whole schedule throughout the year of when we're doing contests and trying to mix it up and doing different elements with the contest, um, we found was effective. And also the incentives, that seemed to be one of the biggest pieces. In addition to doing the Smart Dollar program, we did do a few other things with discount programs. Mm -hmm. So we were able to add discounts for a couple of different daycare centers, student loan refinancing. We also did home and auto discounts. And all of the discounts, with the exception of one of the daycare ones, didn't cost the company anything. One of the things that employees were interested in as well was access to college savings. Mm -hmm. So we had set up a 529 and we did set up payroll deductions. Any specific communication initiatives for the 529 plan? Because it's such a niche group of people that may be interested in it. Yeah, we did an on-site lunch and learn at the corporate office. Mm -hmm. And then for the field associates, we did on our online learning platform, which we call Bell University, we did a class for the 529. And then most recently last year, we actually did a whole class on all of the ways that you can save money on taxes, you know, Mm -hmm. pre-tax 401k, HSA, and then also the 529. And we had an incentive of everybody that took the class got in a drawing. Mm -hmm. So to try to push people to go do the class. And it was one of those you could kind of pick what you wanted to look at, and 529 was part of that um, class. Really trying to look for ways that maybe don't cost the company any money, but provide value to the associates and that they see as a positive that their employer is looking out for them. Well, very good. Paula, thank you very much for your time. Sure. I appreciate you asking me. That was really interesting. In my opinion, it's great that Bell Partners did a survey of their employees to find out where their financial challenges were. That helped Paula and her colleagues figure out what types of education they should provide. 
That was smart. Also, financial wellness is a huge part of overall wellness, so I like that Bell Partners incorporated that into their traditional wellness program. You know, you can be eating healthy, exercising, practicing healthy mental health habits, but if you're in debt and not managing finances correctly, of course you're going to be stressed and distracted, and that has its own impacts, just like any unhealthy behavior would. And Belt Partners really achieved some impressive results. I thought it was interesting to learn how effective their incentives and competitions were. I guess we're all a little bit competitive by nature. So We are, we are. <laughs> to wrap up this episode, we've boiled all of this down to five tips for a successful financial education program. First of all, it's important to make financial education a commitment and be patient. Signs of commitment include support from leaders a budget devoted to financial education, and offering employee benefits that provide security, like pension and retirement plans, disability insurance, and employee assistance programs. The second tip is to know your population. To do this, like Paula, you can survey your workers to assess both their financial well-being and which financial topics need to be covered. Gathering that information will help you build a program that addresses their needs. Also, don't forget to measure improvement and behavior changes after the program is in place. And a third tip is to diversify your topics and formats. The more topics that you cover, the better chance you have of providing a topic or two that will resonate with most of your workers. But not all organizations have the resources to build a comprehensive financial education program right from the start. If an employer starts with a limited approach, it's best to focus on one or two topics that were identified as critical in your employee survey. And if you offer the education in multiple formats, you increase the chance that each employee will find a delivery method that works for them specifically. Number four on our tip list is to customize and personalize the education. As I was talking about earlier, if the education is targeted around life events and provided right when the person needs it, it will be much more effective. And finally, it's important to increase accessibility and inclusion. Make your program time and place convenient. For example, you could offer education during work hours. Include spouses and retirees in the program. And if possible, offer the education in multiple languages. The foundation has actually put together a ton of great free resources for employers to use when offering a financial education program for their workers. That's right, Anne. In fact, we've got a few tools to help you get started with a program or review a program you may already offer. Start by going to ifebp.org slash retirement security. There you'll find a financial education program checklist that will help you identify what you should include in your program. There's also a sample employee assessment survey, like we've described earlier. There's also a list of questions you should ask if you're planning to hire a vendor to help you set up and run your plan. And in addition, we offer a checklist to help you look at your retirement plan specifically to see if they're designed to provide adequate retirement income in the future for your employees. We also have some resources for you to give directly to your employees, which can be really helpful. We have a budgeting worksheet and a retirement planning worksheet for employees closer to that retirement age. One of my favorite tools that we've built is a communication toolkit. I like that tool too. It's super easy and helpful. It's fun. 
We've put together the graphics and verbiage for employers to use each month to reach out to their employees. You can use what we've put together for social media, payroll stuffers, posters, table tents, email messages, or slides. So check that out. It was put together by our graphics team. It's really fun. Mm -hmm. And I think the last tool we want to be sure to mention is Retirement 101. This is a cool web resource that shares information on defined contribution and defined benefit retirement plans in easy to understand question and answer format. So employees can really get a grasp on all the different concepts that surround those types of pension plans or retirement plans. You're welcome to refer your employees to it and tell them to go use it. Absolutely. If you've got an intranet or... You know, if you want to include that link in some of your communications to your employees, it would be great to have them check that out. Oh, and also, we don't (laughs) want to forget to highlight our videos. All of them share messages on the importance of saving and saving early. Well, and they feature cats. And who doesn't love a good cat video, right? Yeah, or a squirrel video, or we have one with a superhero. And then Justin, I believe you starred in one of them as well. I was one of the stars of the Benefits Bros video. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if I want to direct people to that video specifically. No, they should but <laughs> go look at it. I think we'll yeah. include a direct link on the podcast page to that video with Justin. <laughs> right. The, the professionals. Yes. The professionals, yes. The, those videos are really very fun. So check them out too and share them with your employees. And you can find links to all of these free resources in the show notes for this episode, as well as on our blog, which we call Word on Benefits. And you can find that at ifebp.org slash blog. And we'd like to give a shout out to longtime listener Donna Maliette. She's the benefits manager at Farella Braun and Martell LLP out of San Francisco. She's also a former president of our sister organization, the International Society of Certified Employee Benefits Specialists. Thanks again for listening, Donna. Happy Financial Literacy Month, everyone, and we will catch you next episode. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast and subscribe to it in iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you prefer so that our episodes will automatically appear on your mobile device. Today's program is copyrighted in 2019 by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans, all rights reserved. The opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers and not to be used as legal counsel. Hey guys, did you know that April is Financial Literacy Month? Did yes, you know? I did. I'm aware. <laughs> I appreciate I'm aware, yes. <laughs> Let's start again. <laughs> Do you think we need a like a goodbye? Bye. Bye.